0: Hmm. hi hello how are you doing today um, I was about to say it's Monday but it's not it's Tuesday <laughs> um, that just shows where I am this week I'm not of lost in the middle kind of like in the muddle of what the week has been so far but you know how have you been you know things going okay looking forward to christmas or not you know that may be the case Um, i thought i would start today by looking at a passage um, that my bible study looked at today so every tuesday we have a bible study um, in the hospital on zoom and today we looked at a really really short passage Uh, But I think a really encouraging passage. So I thought we'll start by looking at that together. So here I have my Bible over here. So if I zoom in on that, you should be able to see Luke chapter 13 and verse 18. So let me read from just these few verses, just this small chunk over here. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to it is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches again he asked what shall I compare the kingdom of God to it is like a yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough Um, I don't know about you but this is a favorite in sunday school you know because it's very visual you know you can literally bring in a mustard seed and say you know what one day this is going to grow into a tree we can bring in a packet of yeast and say oh this is how you create bread and you could then show the bread and it could eat the bread and you can remember nothing about the lesson but they remember that they ate bread <laughs> that day um, but there's this uh, common picture small beginnings you know the yeast and the seed which results in a huge huge result you know uh, not obvious in the beginning but in the end he will be seen for what it is you know this huge tree or this this bread yeah and I guess um, three lessons if, if if I could summarize it like that um, a small beginning a very pervasive growth uh, and a final obvious result you know, small beginnings. Uh, one thing that this lockdown situation has really revealed I think is how comfortable we are uh, starting out again. You know, um, I think everyone has been forced to kind of like start over again and the hardest hit I think are those who um, have achieved a certain level of bigness you know success and um, and having to start over again that's very very painful Um, but um, I was just watching this documentary uh, this from Singapore it's uh, Channel News Asia about uh, new kinds of businesses especially food businesses and some have thrived uh, and those that thrived are not necessarily the big ones but na- but actually those which have reinvented themselves who have started again and oftentimes it's those who have been retrenched who've changed jobs and started a small food business that just went viral throughout lockdown now this wasn't common but what was common amongst those very few and my emphasis very few only not 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 a very common thing but some of them those who did manage to surprisingly grow through that period was that they started small that to reinvent the wheel and then word got round and somehow somehow they, they couldn't explain it themselves but somehow they grew successful and it was I think it's similar to this kind of picture that we have here in Luke chapter 13 you know Jesus picks something that is unsuspectingly small and says That's the kingdom of God. You know, if he started with the tree, he started with the bread, you know, obviously, you know, that would make sense. But he says, think of the smallest, most unsuspecting thing. That is the kingdom of God. And yes, there is a growth to come, but don't miss that beginning, that humble, small beginning. And it may be that where we are right now uh, might not be where we want to be. That might be where God wants us to start with, start over again, and to start, especially with people. Um, small means you get to know everyone. Small means you don't ignore anyone. Uh, small means you yourself. You, you are integral to that process of growth. So that's the first point. The secondly, second point is that it grows. So, um, so the mustard seed, it grew and also the yeast, it worked through the entire entire dough, entire flour. And before it got to this three, tree, it's talking about, um, I think, the expansion of the gospel. It's talking about the church, maybe. It's talking about the kingdom of God, how God's rule and influence. God is the original influencer, uh, grew amongst people's lives. And um, I think it's not to discount then this time when there is lockdown, you know, when every, everyone seems to say, you know, nothing can happen, that, you know, why can't God use times like these to grow His gospel and to grow His the knowledge of Him? I think He does. I, I think He does. And um, it's just whether we have confidence that that will happen, Or, as I suspect, some of us are thinking, we will wait. (laughs) We will wait until lockdown ends. We will wait until things get back to the way it was before we then start evangelizing again, before we start talking to people about Jesus again. And I wonder, you know, if Jesus would say to us, you know, this is the time and this is the manner in which the gospel will grow. You know, there is this growth from this small beginning but in the end in the end there will be a an obvious change it grew and became a tree verse uh, verse 19 you know uh, verse 21 the yeast it makes it a large amount and they work through the entire dough the entire batch and so um, the tree one is interesting because it then the birds come and they perch in their branches so it becomes a hole it, it becomes uh, this nesting place it actually says there um, I think this this might be a reference to um, let's see Daniel I think Daniel uh, if I can find Daniel oh there Daniel Daniel chapter four. Um, yep here uh, the tree you saw which was large and strong, which is top touching the sky. You know, pro- providing food for all, giving shelter to the field, having a nesting place. You know, you or king are that tree. So it's again a picture of the nations coming to find refuge in this tree. Except of course when Daniel spoke to Belteshazzar, this tree gets chopped down in the end. <laughs> so the opposite picture is actually one of judgment to come. But here in Luke chapter 13, this tree appears at the end and becomes also a nesting place for all the birds of the air and it's talking about how uh, maybe it's not just us growing but us growing to the point such that we can then bring in others into God's kingdom and uh, similar again with the with the yeast you know it works through the entire batch of of dough it's not just the yeast itself um, I guess it grows but the, the dough grows together with it and so what do you expect to see at the end of um, this process of God growing his kingdom is it that your church grows or our influence grows no is that uh, God's influence God's kingdom grows yes but that other nations every everyone around us grows in the knowledge and um, the blessing of God and so it talks about how it can't just be us you know it, it cannot just be us growing back again to the way that we were before or even even bigger because i think the kingdom of god is talking about god's influence over the entire world you know bringing all nations to himself so yeah so those are the three things first of all this unsuspecting this smallness that god loves to start with i mean th- think about jesus think about the incarnation think about him becoming a baby that god loves to start this process with the humble and maybe if that's our situation right now, we feel as if, you know, we can't do anything because we don't have the resources. And you, know, you might be surprised, you know, God loves to use those kinds of um, humble circumstances to start with. And that is the kingdom. I think Jesus is saying, saying that is the kingdom right now. But as for the growth, you know, don't discount that God can use the situations of, that we are in right now um, to actually grow his gospel. I, I think he will, and I think uh, the only difference is those who acknowledge it now or those who will be humbled by it later, who those who will be playing catch up with it later. But finally, finally, you know, it will be obvious in the end. God's kingdom will arrive, and when it does, it will have almost nothing to do with us you'll have everything to do with him It will have everything to do with the nations you'll have everything to do with his kingdom but we should not mistake with god's kingdom starting and growing and ending up large with our church starting and growing and it's not not at all with that but with the gospel with jesus christ and with his kingdom here on earth yeah uh, well anyway that's oh, sorry that's just a summary of our quick uh, bible study that we had um this afternoon over lunch now why don't i pray and let's look at the four passages we have today heavenly father thank you so much that your kingdom is yours you will um plant it you will grow it and in the end you will be lord over it help us to acknowledge you as the king to bow in humility before jesus and help us to look expectantly to its coming we pray in jesus name amen Amen. So let's have a look at today's four passages. Um, Yep, I've opened up the tabs. Here we are at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Um, I had a peek at it, uh, just the first few verses. I'm still not sure what we're going to be looking at. Revelation chapter 6, I think that's a heavy-duty passage. More of Zechariah, more dreams and visions. And John chapter 5 okay so let's start with second chronicles chapter 17. here we go uh just jehoshaphat 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 Jehoshaphat, his son asa's son is it asa let me check i think it is i just read it yesterday it's so embarrassing so i think at the end of chapter 16 uh, asa died so asa slept with his fathers And so when he's talking about his son, he's talking about Asa's son, the guy with the foot disease (laughs) that wouldn't trust God but trusted his physicians instead. So Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. There you go, Asa is his dad. Yahweh was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and didn't seek the Baals but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not in the ways of Israel. Therefore, Yahweh established the kingdom in his hand. All Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance. His heart, was lifted up in the ways of Yahweh. That's good. Yeah, so far so good. Furthermore, he took away the high places and the Asherah poles out of Judah. Also, in the third year of his reign, he sent his princes, even ben Hail, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanael, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them the Levites, even Shemaiah, Nephaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, the Levites. And with them Elishamah and Jehoram, the priests. They taught in Judah, having the book of Yahweh's law with them. Sorry about the creaky table. Yeah. They went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. The fear of Yahweh fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute. The Arabians also brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. Jehoshaphat grew great exceedingly, and he built fortresses and store cities in Judah he had many works in the cities of Judah, and men of war, mighty men of valor, in Jerusalem. This was the numbering of them according to their fathers' houses, from Judah, the captains of thousands, Athna the captain, and with him 300,000 mighty men of valor, and next to him Jehohanan the captain, and with him 280,000, and next to him Amasiah, the son of Zichri, who willingly offered himself to Yahweh, and with him 200,000 mighty men of valor. From Benjamin, Elida, a mighty man of valor, and with him 200,000 armed with bow and shield, and next to him Jehozabad, and with him 180,000 ready and prepared for war. These were those who waited on the king, in addition to those whom the king put in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. No, so far so good. Very successful guy, Um, son of Asa, uh, who started out really well, didn't end so well. But he is, for what it's worth, starting out well. Because verse 3, Yahweh was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways of his father David, didn't seek the Baals. And as a result of that, all these blessings, all these followings, all this peace came upon his reign. Um, yeah, so come back tomorrow and see how he does at the end. Yeah. So let's move on to Revelation chapter 6. And this is John's account. John says, I saw that the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come and see. Then a white horse appeared, and he who sat on it had a bow. a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, "Come. Another one came out, a red horse. to him who sat on it was given power to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. There was given to him a great sword. got a sword. Him given a great sword <laughs> okay enough distraction okay verse 5 when he opened the third seal I heard the third living creature saying come and see and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a balance in his hand I heard a voice in the middle of the four living creatures saying a conix of wheat for a denarius and three conix of barley for a denarius don't damage the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living creature say, Come and see. And behold, a pale horse, and the name of he who sat on it was Death. Hades for- followed with him. Authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with famine, with death, and with by the wild animals of the earth was given to him. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been killed for the word of God and for the testimony of the Lamb which they had. They cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, Master, the holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? A long white robe was given to each of them. They were told that they should rest yet for a while, until their fellow servants and their brothers... would also be killed as they were should complete their course i saw when he opened the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became as blood the stars of the sky fell to the earth like a fig tree dropping its unripe figs when it is shaken by a great wind The sky was removed like a scroll when it was rolled up. Every mountain and island was moved out of its place. The kings of the earth, the princes, the commanding officers, the rich, the strong, and every slave and free person hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. They told the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us. From the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Wow. So, uh, by the way, this is following from chapter 5. When uh, John sees this scroll, this book, that has seven seals on it, and the scroll symbolizes all the plans and purposes for God in the final days of the kingdom all God's purposes for this world in judgment and salvation but no one in heaven on earth under the earth was able to open up these seals and then he's and then the angel says look you know the, the Lion of Judah can do this he looked and if you remember he saw the lamb he saw Jesus and Jesus now in chapter 6 starts opening it up the seven seals one by one, by one. And they are seals that reveal God's judgment over the earth. The first four talk about these four uh, red horsemen, guys riding a horse, and they're different colors, and the colors have different symbolism. The first one is white. And white here um, signifies conquest, you know, typically if you are in a battle, white symbolizes what symbolizes uh, uh, a surrender. But no, white actually uh, can symbolize purity, but here I think it symbolizes conquest, you know, victory. And so this horse is given to conquer. You know, he says he came up conquering and to conquer and not in a positive sense to conquer over the nations. The second seal talks about this red horse and this red, again, is very ominous color you know take peace from the earth and you know symbol of blood you know kill one another and he was also given this great sword and so it's a symbol of a very violent death a kind of violent you know time and period on the earth the third seal talks about this black horse and here black and he has an black together with the balance you know, scales And here, this horseman, this horse rider um, affects the economy. And you see here, you know, a koenig's of wheat for a denarius. So a denarius is what you would get paid for a day's wages. But this was a lot of wheat. This was a lot of uh, barley. So essentially, um, the economy is such that, you know, everything has dropped in price. You know, um, uh, you know, you... you, um, uh, uh, you know, you can, is, is that right? You know, let's see how much a conix of wheat is. Conix here, a uh, liter, more than a liter of, of wheat. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, three conix for a denarius. But actually all, all the premium items um, uh, uh, are, are you know, are still available. Oil and the wine, you know, I think. Yeah, so, so it's a kind of an imbalance in the economy. It just turns it upside down. Uh, and, and it just causes this 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 disruption in the whole economy. Um, someone just sent me a message. Yeah. Okay. Uh, finally, um, the fourth seal: a pale horse. I think this color pale is like um, um, pale greenish, kind of like. Kind of like sickly color that kind of thing hence you know death is it's kind of like sickly color to symbolize disease and so so um it comes to kill with sword famine and death but it's only one-fourth of them so lots and one-fourth of all living things are killed uh, through all these various means of death and and even the animals and so but all these, you know, four horsemen, what it does, it just sets up the scene that, you know, there's this disarray, there is this imbalance, all aspects of life is now affected by death and by God's judgment. But actually, the it, more serious things are about to come, sorry, more messages. Yeah, so the fifth seal, he opens up, and here are all the people who have died, <laughs> killed for the word of God, for the testimony of the Lamb which they had. And what are you doing? They're crying out to God, saying, "Bring judgment, avenge our deaths quickly." And interestingly, it is God who sh- who <laughs> who displays patience compared to these people. He like said each of them was given a robe, told to rest for a while, and said. And God says this very surprising thing: there are more people yet to die. You know, the number of their brothers who will be killed should complete their course. And it's talking about how until god's kingdom comes many um, believers many of those who speak the word of god will pay for this gospel with their lives and as a result they will be asking for god's kingdom to come but god will keep saying wait wait you know he he, god is more patient than us in in calling up for judgment that's interesting isn't it finally the sixth seal um here uh and you see all kinds of kind of like end of the world scenarios, you know, stars fall to the ground, you know, the sky is rolled up. It's essentially, if you look at it together, it's a reversal of creation. You know, creation was everything, the stars going up in the sky, no, the stars are falling down. You know, the sky was initially set up to separate the waters, but no, the sky is rolled up. And so if you compare this with Genesis chapter 1, it's like playing the tape recorder back and reversing all the elements of creation. And what happens when all the kings and the princes see these evidences of God's judgment coming upon them? Verse 15, they run away. You know, the kings of the earth, the princes, the commanding, the rich and the strong, every person, they hid themselves. But they hid themselves not from this calamity. They hid themselves from God. What they say to the mountains and rocks is, fall on us hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the lamb meaning here are people who are more terrified of god than they are of death could put it that way and it just shows how terrifying that wrath and the anger from god is and um here they're unwilling to face god in a way because maybe they know it's too late they know that there is no recourse and so they're what they're looking for is a quick death. What they're looking for is they'd rather perish under the rocks, fall on us, than for us to face, you know, the oncoming judgment from God. Yeah, okay, yeah, very sobering. Yeah, um, Yeah. If we see God's anger over sin, God's certain judgment. We see God's patient, patient, you know, and patience in bringing judgment. We are more impatient than God. But finally, we see unrepentance, actually towards the end, that people are more willing to die than they are to face and to repent before God. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's move on to Zechariah chapter 2. <laughs> Just like that. There's more to come tomorrow. Yes. Chapter 7 though is good. It's a good one. So here we are, Zechariah chapter 2. Ooh, okay. I'll take some water first. Yeah. actually no actually let me go back I I think I, I made a mistake about the the flour and the barley I think what it says is the prices have gone up Sorry, it's not that they've gone down so you have to pay a full a full day's wage for each of these essentials so the wheat and the barley imagine paying your full day's wage for a McDonald's sandwich so uh but if you wanted to buy an iphone you could still buy the iphone yeah i think that that's what it's saying so all so there's an imbalance whereby the bare essentials cost you an arm and a leg but actually if you wanted you know the non-essentials the luxuries you could still pay for that and so that's the imbalance sorry about that sorry I, uh, that that's what happens when you don't prepare <laughs> like me okay um uh This is one of those times when I wish, you know, that I wasn't doing this live And, you know, could kind of like edit this out So embarrassing, ah! Yeah, I hope no one's watching Is anyone watching this? Yay, no one's watching this So it's okay, don't, don't, don't watch this (laughs) This is not an episode to watch Okay, alright, let's see then Um, Zechariah chapter 2 I lifted up my eyes and saw and behold... A man, man with a measuring line in his hand. Then I asked, Where are you going? He said to me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. Behold, the angel who talked with me went out, and another angel went out to meet him, and said to him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited. As villages without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it for I says Yahweh will be to her a wall of fire around it and I will be the glory in the middle of her come come flee from the land of the north says Yahweh for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the sky says Yahweh come Zion escape you who dwell in with the daughter of Babylon For Yahweh of armies says, For honor he has sent me to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For behold, I will shake my hand over them, and they will be a plunder to those who serve them. And you will know that Yahweh of armies has sent me. Sing and rejoice, daughter of Zion. For behold, I come, and I will dwell within you, says Yahweh. Many nations shall join themselves to Yahweh in that day and shall be my people, and I will dwell among you, and you shall know that Yahweh of armies has sent me to you. Yahweh will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before Yahweh, for he has roused himself from his holy habitation. Nice and short. Um can't say I understand all of it. Uh, it begins with him seeing this guy holding a measuring line. It's like one of those measuring uh, tapes. And I, he's, he's going to measure Jerusalem. And um, it's almost like an architect. You know, It's like a certainty that God will build an architect and raise up this city in the end. Uh, this is right after they they return from the exile and you know they, they're wondering, will God ever you know reinstate the kingdom? He says, yeah, you know this is certainty. He's giving that kind of guarantee. Um, but also um, God himself is going to live in this city. you know God will protect it as a wall of fire, but he will be the glory in the middle of her. And so then he starts calling out all, uh all those who have been spread out from from jerusalem to come back to come back into the city come back into the country um yeah um escape you who dwell in the daughter of babylon again reinforcing the end of the 70 years of exile prophesied by jeremiah and um anticipating a reversal right now all the foreign countries has you know have you know are in power you know, Jerusalem's the one in ruins. It's going to be the other way around. You know, uh, all the nations will come and join themselves to God in that day. And uh, will be their people. will be his people. And they will dwell among you. And again, uh, similar to that picture that we saw in Luke chapter 13, how when God's kingdom comes, it's not just you and yourself and your buddies, but God will bring in the nations. And you'll be at the center of it. God will use you, but in order to bring in All nations to Himself, Um, yeah. And there's this inheritance language. He will inherit Judah as His portion in the land, and will again choose Judah. Yeah. Okay. And that wasn't too bad. Yeah. Maybe I was afraid for nothing. Well, there's more to come tomorrow. John chapter five. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Five porches, okay. In these lay a great multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, or paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain times into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. I don't think this verse is in the NIV. In the um, Yeah, I think, I think this might be just in this translation, the World English Bible. But it's useful to know. Verse 5, A certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been sick for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps in before me. Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your mat, and walk. Immediately the man was made well and took up his mat and walked. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful. For you to carry the mat he answered them he who made me well said to me take up your mat and walk then they asked him who is the man who said to you take up your mat and walk but he who was healed didn't know who he was for Jesus had withdrawn a crowd being in the place afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him behold you are made well sin no more so that nothing worse happens to you the man went away and told the jews that it was jesus who made him well for this cause the jews persecuted jesus and sought to kill him because he did these things on the sabbath but jesus answered them my father is still working and i am working too for this cause therefore the jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the sabbath but also called God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus therefore answered them, Most certainly I tell you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father doing. For whatever things he does, these the son also does likewise. For the father has affection for the son and shows him all things that he himself does. He will show him greater works than these, That you may marvel but as the father raises the dead and gives them life even so the son also gives life to whom he desires for the father judges no one but he has given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son even as they honor the father he who doesn't honor the son doesn't honor the father who sent him Most certainly, I tell you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and doesn't come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Most certainly, I tell you, the hour comes, and now is, when the dead will hear the Son of God's voice, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also. To have life in himself he also gave him authority to execute judgment because he is a son of man don't marvel at this for the hour comes in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out those who've done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment I can do myself of myself do nothing As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I don't seek my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. If I testify about myself, my witness is not valid. It is another who testifies about me. I know that the testimony which he testifies about me is true. You have sent to John, and he testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. However, I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father gave me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me, that the Father has sent me. The Father himself who sent me has testified about me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You don't have his word living in you because you don't believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And these are they which testify about me. Yet you will not come to me that you may have life. I don't receive glory from men, but I know you that you don't have God's love in yourselves I have come in my Father's name and you don't receive me if another comes in his own name you will receive him how can you believe who receive glory from one another and don't seek the glory that comes from the only God don't think that I will accuse you to the Father there is one who accuses you even Moses on whom you have set your hope for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you don't believe his writings, how will you believe my words?" So long passage, but you can divide it into two. So the second half, which, you know, Jesus is responding to these religious leaders who are condemning him, is it's responding to the first half. So Jesus heals someone, and he gets into trouble because he heals this person on the sabbath and this is the turning point the first time in john's gospel that they say that they want to kill him and when he says he he healed him because of he's doing the work of the father they want to kill him even more because he's equating himself with god and that's why he starts having this rather long response to um oh sorry i have i have a phone call Uh, uh oh i missed it ah okay yeah, um, so yeah, I have to pick that up later. Sorry. <laughs> um, so he's responding to uh, uh, where was I? Yeah, the threats to kill him. They've rejected him. And essentially, what he's saying is that's the reason why you reject God. Yeah, if I can put it that way. Let's start from the beginning. So in the beginning, he he heals this man. Who gets him into trouble so this man he's there in this pool Bethesda has five porches and the five porches is one two three four and one going across and this this going across and this and the porches are covered uh, porches so you have lots of sick people lying in these porches these verandas and they're sitting around this pool and in this version at least, it's not in the new versions, what it says is, every once in a while, an angel will stir up the water, and apparently there's this kind of lottery system. The first person who is sick that goes to know the water you know, gets healed. And Jesus says to this one guy who's been invalid, who hasn't been able to walk for 38 years, he says to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to get better? Which is sounds like a silly question, but he's going somewhere, He's, he, in asking this, Jesus is revealing, you know, what he's doing there. What are you doing here? You know, what do you want? If God could do anything for you, what is it that you'd want? And the way that this guy answers Jesus is very revealing. He complains about the people around him. Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. And when the water is stirred up, someone else goes in before me. So he's saying, I'm stuck here because no one helps me to get healed. And what Jesus does is he heals him. Take up your mat and walk. And this man walks, walks away, without. And here's the thing: without even knowing who Jesus is, they didn't even ask him his name, until the point that this man gets into trouble for walking with his mat. And the guys, and the the Jews, Jews here here refers to the religious leaders. Uh, they they say you shouldn't be doing that. You're breaking the rules. You shouldn't be carrying your mat around on the Sabbath. And what they say to him is. Oh, okay, alright Oh, I think I know what it is I I have a meeting Let me, let me I think I have to To do something, sorry Uh Sorry about this Uh Sorry, I have to stop this here. I have, I have a meeting coming on. Thank you so much for joining me. Let, let's pray and let's end. Thank you, Father, for this, for this, for this reading today. Um, I pray, Lord, that we will constantly look to Jesus and not turn away from Him. That we will look to Him for what He offers us and not turn away for what we want to get that we don't get instead. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye bye. Sorry.